So today is what day? Father's Day. So I'm going to be uh, not speaking from the perspective of a father. I'm not. Um, but I'm going to be speaking from the perspective of a child who knows the father. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about the father. That's the goal today. Fathers, listen. Keep doing what you're doing. Raise children. And you're going to get stuff from this, but this is for the body of Christ. It's for you fathers, but it's also for the body of Christ. Um, and we're going to be talking about a dude who's called the father of many nations. Anybody know who that is? Abraham. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If, if I didn't get any responses there. I, was going to, I had a whole other teaching. It was 21 pages. Um, it was a joke. You can laugh. Nope, still? All right. We're good. Um, so we're going to start in Genesis chapter 15, and we're going to read some verses so we can get some context for who Abraham is, what he was known for and about. Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. And he brought him outside. God brought Abraham outside. Look towards the heavens and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. God counted, Abraham's, God counted Abraham as righteous based off of his belief. He believed God. And we're going to go through a little bit of Abraham's life, and I'm going to show you what it looks like to let your belief dictate your actions. Okay, so as, as Christians, we believe something, and because of what we believe, it dictates everything that we should do. Right? We believe Jesus Christ was crucified. He was fully man, fully God. On the third day, He raised again. And based off of that statement, He died for our sins. He was the all-sufficient sacrifice for all time. Based off of that, it should dictate everything that our actions do. Everything that happens, based off of that one thing, it should change all of our actions. Um, and so we're going to look at Abraham and how his belief was acted out. Right? So we're going to read almost an entire chapter of the Bible um, because it's the authoritative Word of God, and that's all that really matters. Um, so how, do we, um, how does our belief get acted out? We're looking at Abraham. We're going to jump into Genesis 22. I would encourage you guys to read all of Genesis. I would also encourage you guys to read all of the Bible. It's important. Um, but we're going to be in Genesis 22, starting in verse 1, and we're just going to pick our way through. So open up your Bibles. If you've got one that you don't have to open up, but you have to turn on and swipe, that's fine too. Um, Genesis 22. Genesis 22, verse 1. And after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, so Abraham asked God to rethink that whole thing and said, I don't really know if I can trust you, right? That's, verse th that's in your Bibles? Nope. What did, he, what did he say? What was, his, what was his statement in verse 3? He said, 
So Abraham rose early in the morning. Your belief will make you do things early. You're not going to wait until late. You're not going to wake up, him and haw, and was it really God that told me? Should I really get up and do this? Should I trust that God's Word is what He says it is? Abraham did, and he rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again. Did you catch it? Did you catch the language that he used there? He says, I and the boy, too, will go over there and worship, and we will come back. Right? So it's hard in, in the English to catch this. In the Hebrew, it's Winasuba? That's my question mark. I don't know how to pronounce it. But it's, yeah, it's the Hebrew word, and it says, we will come back. So Abraham, his belief dictated his actions. He trusted God. He rose early. And his, based off of what he believed, he said, I and the boy are going to go and worship, and we are going to come back. Right? What, what did God tell him, though? What was God's word? Right before that, you're going to sacrifice your son. Your son will be a burnt offering. But Abraham knew something. He knew something that was older than, the, than this word, right? So God gave him a word, but God has given him many words. And if we don't know all the words that we've got, if we don't know what God's told us, sometimes we'll take one word and we think that's the definitive end answer. And it might not be. Right? There's, there are other things that happen in here. Um, Go to the next page. Let's dive in. Verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. Laid it on Isaac his son. How much wood is needed for a burnt offering? Anybody know? Raise your hand. Nope. It's a lot. How many of you guys know how old Isaac was at the time? Anybody ever studied that? Anybody ever thought, Man, how old was he? He was a kid, right? He was tiny. He was in his 20s. So Isaac was somewhere, so I'm going to give you the, the broad, because I don't want to narrow it down to he was exactly this old. A lot of theologians say he was somewhere in between 18 and 37, based off the age of his father when he was born, and the age of his father when he died, and the age of the son when, the, when his father died. So there's, there's some math that goes in here, there's some conjecture, but he's somewhere in between there. He's 18 to 37, right? So is he a tiny boy? No, no, he's not. He's a young man, right? So he's already got some stature. He's of a a decent size. And it's good for us to kind of understand he wasn't a little boy because all the time we see these pictures, and what what is he depicted as, right? There's Isaac. Look at him. He's tiny. How old was Abraham? 
it was over 100, right? So I'm not going to give you a definitive because I don't know it. But he was minimum 100 years old. Could be up to 137. We don't know, right? So there's, there's some stuff that's happening here. Why do, we, why do we need to look at that age? Like, the Bible's not specific on it, but it's good for us to understand it, right? It's good for us to do a little bit of math, a little bit of digging, so we can understand that this isn't a dad taking his tiny boy and binding him, right? This is a dad taking his adult son. So let's continue reading. Um, he took the wood for the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together, and Isaac said to his father, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide. He still trusts. Still trusts that God's going to provide. God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both, and so they went both of them together. So Abraham knows that the Lord will provide. Abraham had faith in the Lord to cover it. He, he's obeying everything that he's asked, but he still had faith. He still believed, and his belief dictated his actions. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Listen, that those ages, this is another place we need to think about this. This is like a hundred-year-old man trying to tie Riley down. Right? Riley, are you going to let that happen? You ain't going to let that happen, right? Unless you trust him. Right? Because if you trust him, you're going to be okay with it. All right, Dad, I trust you. I trust you in the moment. Um, so how did Isaac respond to being put on the altar? Was it fear or was it trust? It was trust, right? It's the only thing it can be. Because Isaac allowed himself to be bound. It wasn't... Uh, sneaky, I'm going to, hey, we're going to play a game and I'm going to tie ropes around. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that. His father wasn't trying to be sly or underhanded. Like God is not trying to be sly or underhanded in what he's doing. He's going to tell you the truth. And when we have faith, we do it. The nearness of the father gives confidence to the heart of the child. Any of you who are parents will know when dad's around, the kid's much more confident. When dad says, hey, jump off the roof, I'll catch you. They're going to look and be like, praise the Lord, I'm diving off this roof. Right? Because there's faith there, there's trust that's been built over a lifetime. So we have to have that kind of confidence in our Heavenly Father. Because Isaac had confidence in his father. And Isaac's confidence in his father was because that his father modeled it with the Heavenly Father. Right? So we see this, this thing where we've got God the Father. And then Abraham is looking and he's like, all right, I trust you. 
And then back down the line, you have Isaac, and he's looking, and he's like, I trust you because you trust him. Right? So there's this, this building of faith that happens. And we have to be in that place as children where we trust God, even when it doesn't look. Do I really have to sacrifice it? Do I really have to lay that down? Um, one of the ways that I can tell you that this, that he was 100% in trust is because of 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, but whoever fears has not been perfected in love. In this moment, we have this example of Abraham is not afraid of what God's asked him to do. He realizes it's love. And so Abraham's like, okay, God, I trust you. He has no fear in that. He was able to walk through that whole situation. Then Abraham, this is verse 10, then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for I know that you fear God, seeing, that, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And it is said, and it is said to this day on the mount, the Lord on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Listen, when we believe what God says, we will be willing to sacrifice anything. And there's points in my life where I've walked through this thing of, of not knowing. Right? Of God says, hey, will you sacrifice this? And I'm like, oof, I don't know. Have any of you ever had that question? If you haven't, I would encourage you to start asking them. And saying, Lord, what is it that I'm holding on to that I'm not willing to give you? Right? There are so many places where this happens, where we get in this place of like, Ooh, I don't know if I'm going to give it up for God. It, it happens to me every few months. There's a book I like to read, and it always convicts me, and, and it always pricks in my heart and says, hey, are you actually willing to give up anything for God? Even what God promised? even what God said, hey, you're going to be the father of many nations. The promise before that statement, before he says, I want you to sacrifice your son, the promise that God had given was, you will be the father of many nations, and it will be through Isaac. So he knew the word before. He knew what God had already said. And so he was able to function out of this place of trust and knowing who God is because he knows the promises of God. Is this making sense? Is this clicking? We've got to get there where we know the promises of God so well that when he says, will you sacrifice this? We say, no problem. I'm going to rise early in the morning. I'm going to take it and I'm going to, I'm going to offer it to you. That's where we've got to get to. I'm not saying I'm there. Don't believe that. That's a lie. I'm saying I walk through this process constantly, every day where I have to wake up 
and crucify my flesh. Because my flesh says, don't go burn it. Don't go kill that. Don't give that to God because it's going to hurt in the moment. Sometimes we've got to do that. We've got to let go of some stuff so that we can walk in what God's promise really is. We can trust Him. Um, Romans 8.28 says that He works everything for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I would encourage you guys, take a note here. I want you to read ten verses before and two verses after. Alright? Read it. Get the context. It'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind. We've got to understand this is a hard process. Romans 8.28 and ten verses before, a few verses after. This is a hard process that we're all going through. This process of kind of killing the flesh on a daily basis and we figure out daily what it looks like to find those things in our life that might be holding us back, right? So there's this cool process you can go through. It's called fasting. Fasting is killing the flesh so you can dedicate yourself to Jesus so that you can remove those things that are starting to elevate themselves against the knowledge of God. So take, take some moments, kill some stuff, Know that God's working out this for your good. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn. What does that mean? You guys know what what a, a covenant is? So Abraham and Isaac have two covenants. The first one, Abraham and Isaac, or, sorry, Abraham and God have two covenants. In the first one, Abraham and God both go through. In the second one, God says, I've sworn by myself. Which means there's, that there's only one side that has to hold anything up. Just God. Because Abraham's proved something to God, and so in this moment, God's looking, and God says, man, I swear by myself. As in there's nothing that's going to go in between what the Lord has declared I sworn by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this and you've not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sands of the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, And they arose and they went together. Mm. Have you ever wondered what was going through Abraham's head this whole time, right? There's this big thing happening. What's going through his head? We can all kind of speculate, like, oh, man, I think it was kind of this. I think maybe he was thinking this. It's easy to know what was going through his mind because it's written in Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19. This is, Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith. Anybody heard of the hall of faith? This is where people's faith is counted unto them as righteousness. This is New Testament, talking about those in the Old Testament. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, by faith Abraham was tested. When, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, 
from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So listen, the faith of Abraham in that moment, he was looking and he said, the Lord's already given me the promise that my offspring will come from Isaac. The Lord's already told me that. So when he hears the Lord say, go offer your son as a burnt offering, what, what clicks in his head? Okay, cool. He'll, just, he'll raise him from the dead. Or he'll provide a sacrifice like a ram in the thicket. He already knew. He knew the heart of God so well that even when something difficult came up and said, sacrifice this. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I'm not asking you to sacrifice something that's good or something that's bad. I'm asking you to sacrifice something that's good. That's a blessing from the Lord. His response. Okay, the Lord will take care of it, right? The Lord's going to provide because I know His Word from before. This is why it's really important that we understand this Word right here. Because He's got promises from the beginning to the end that we can stand on. But if we don't know it, we won't catch Him. We won't, we won't know. And when God says, hey, I want you to sacrifice this good thing. I want you to take this good thing out of your life and lay it on the side and not walk in that right now. Walk somewhere else. Oof, Lord, are you... Are you oof. Is that a response? Is, it, is there that hesitation? Or we really don't know what we're going to do? Or is it, okay, I'll rise up early. Let's get it done. Right? One brings confidence. So Isaac submitted to his father because he trusted his father. Listen, we've got to trust God. We've got to. As children, we have to trust God. Fathers, you need to trust God and model that for your children. Okay? That's what, that's what you do as a, as a dad. You model stuff for your kids to look at and mimic because that's what they're going to do. My kids are grown. It doesn't... They're still watching. They're still watching. So I want to look at one more passage um, and that talks about belief and the belief that should affect our life. Right? So we looked at Abraham and what he did. Now let's look at another guy. If I cry, please bear with me. It's a, it's a Bible verse that means a lot to me. And I hope it means a lot to you. It's John chapter 3. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Our belief should dictate everything that we do. Our belief in Jesus should dictate everything that we do, every choice that we make. Mm. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. Listen, the moment we step into that point of salvation where we step in and we say, I'm not, I, I believe Jesus. I believe in the Son. I put my faith in Him. In that moment, we are no longer condemned. Our condemnation is removed. 
as in our sin is no longer accounted to us. That's a really good thing. When our sin's no longer accounted to us, it means I now get to stand before Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to introduce you to my dad. And then we get to stand there. And instead of God looking at me and saying, this dude's a sinner. And the only thing that I deserve outside of Jesus is hell. The only thing that every one of us deserves outside of Jesus is hell. Period. No, I'm super righteous. You don't know, Caleb. You don't know. I've done everything perfect my whole life. That's awesome. You want to do it that way? You do it that way. I'm going with Jesus. Okay? Because my belief in Him is now dictating my actions. I'm going to follow Him in word and deed in everything that I do. If Jesus says, it's time, Caleb, let's sacrifice it. What are we sacrificing? I'm, I'm in. I need, to, I need you to sacrifice something. It's not hard. I just need you to sacrifice this thing. Trust me in it. All right, Jesus, let's do it. I'm going to give you a personal example of something that the Lord asked me to sacrifice. How many of you guys know what YouTube is? Anybody? Yep. He asked me to sacrifice that uh, a few months ago. You might say, Caleb, that's a dumb thing to sacrifice. Here's the thing. It's, in my life, it had started to elevate itself against God. It's a little thing. It's just, it's just, it's just a, some videos. Well, the majority of the videos that I'm watching, they're, they're good. They're sermons. I'm listening to worship music. I'm listening to all of these things. And God said, I don't want you to get my voice from someone else. I want you to get my voice from my mouth. Okay, and so I stepped into that place and I was like, okay, God, you call me to sacrifice something. I'm going to let it go because I know that I'm going to get something better. I'm going to get you, right? And that's the good thing. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. I hate technology. Do you know why I hate technology? Because it's a distraction. Do you know why it's called a TV? Because it's a time vacuum. It's pulling you away from everything. Take your technology and put it off to the side. If you find yourself, I do this with the kids all the time. How many of you guys know that I look at your cell phones and I'm like, let's see what your screen time looks like, right? Yeah, I do it all the time. I'll grab a phone. I'm like, whose phone is this? Unlock it. Show me your screen time. How much time did you, did you watch social media in the last week? How much time have you spent doing this or doing that? We have to sacrifice those things. There's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. Right in the bareness of what they are, that's fine. I can learn how to repair something on my car from YouTube. That's awesome. But guess what I can also do? I can sit on it and, and listen to 15 sermons back to back and never retain anything about God. Because it's distracting us from Him. So maybe God's asking you to sacrifice something. Listen, Jesus sacrificed everything for us. And all we got to do now is say, okay, my belief is now going to affect my actions. What happens if we lack belief? Anybody have that issue? My hand's up. Um, there's, a, there's this story in the, old, in the New Testament where there's this guy who's got a kid, and his kid is demon-possessed. And his response, the, the guy comes to Jesus, and he's like, hey, if you can, 
please help my son. Jesus' response is, if I can, it's only, that, it's only based off belief. And so the guy's response to Jesus is Mark 9, 24. And immediately the father cried out, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. It's not an easy process, but Jesus wants to help our unbelief. Even when we believe. I believe, but there's moments in my life where I'm struggling with this thing of unbelief. Oh, I don't know if I trust God in that. I need to deal with that unbelief. I need to crucify something and go to Jesus with it. So my point that I want to leave you guys with um, is that you need to believe God. Don't hold anything back. Um, And if God is your Father, you will walk with confidence even when you are tied on the altar. Okay? Even when it's you that's tied up. I'm sure some of us feel like that. Man, the Lord's tied me. He's put me on the altar and I don't know what to do. Trust Him. If your confidence is in, in Him, you don't have to worry about the rest of it. Fathers, I hope you were able to get something out of that. And for all of you children, I'm sure you got something out of it. Because it's God's Word. He's always speaking. Please be paying attention this week. Paying attention as you leave here and you go to celebrate your Father. If your Father has already gone on to hang out with the Father, I know that's a hard place. But it's a good place. Okay? So step out of this place and, and listen to His Word. Dive into what God has to say. Not what the world has to say. Not what my interpretation is. Um, go. Open the book for yourself. Believe in Him. And let it affect everything that you do. Father, we just ask, Lord, that You would be here with us and dwell in us. God, as we step out of this place, as we walk from here, God, we just ask that Your Word would be so saturated in us that we would be able to believe You the moment we hear Your voice. Oh, that's my Father's voice. We would be able to sacrifice whatever You ask us to. We'd be able to do whatever You're asking us to do, whether it's uncomfortable or comfortable or whatever the situation is, God. We know that You are sufficient and You will stand in that place. God, we thank You for Your Word. God, I thank You for what You are are speaking to each one of us in our hearts as we're processing this. God, You're good. We love You. In Your name I pray. Amen.